At this time, I'd like to invite Jeff to the platform. Is he going to share the word with us? <laughs> Thank you, sir. Also, uh, we are having children's church today, so uh, the, the children can be dismissed at this time for that. While we're going through, well, it's good to see everybody. Uh, Happy New Year. We thought we would uh, kick off the year uh, just kind of uh, switching roles. So I have uh, Pastor Brad's job now, uh, and then he has my job. We're just going to see how that works. No, that's, <laughs> that is definitely not going to happen. <clears throat> no, but we, uh, I was thinking about getting him a wig and some stilts. I was going to shave my head. We were going to make it a big, like, but we we're going to make it a big puzzle for everyone, see if everyone could guess uh, who was the real one. But, um, <clears throat> but uh, well, thank you for, uh, for being here, everybody. It's uh, good to see everyone here. Glad everyone made it here safely. Um, when, uh, when thinking about what to uh, preach about on the first Sunday of the year, after being uh, presented with the, the privilege of, of doing so, um, I thought uh, that it would be good to, to kind of kick off the, the new year talking about um, prayer and, uh, and presenting a, a kind of a challenge uh, to everybody here in the church um, as well to, to go along with it. And, um, and uh, so we're, we're going to uh, be talking about prayer, be looking at uh, Luke chapter 11 today. Um, so with, with the new year usually comes... Uh, the reminder of, of new beginnings, uh, kind of a chance to start over again, right? Um, it's, it's kind of how our, our culture kind of considers uh, the new year, and, uh, and when we uh, start in January, we, we kind of think about how we can do stuff better this next year, um, or at least we're praying uh, that the, the next year goes uh, better than the previous. I know a lot of people are with the last few years, at least. Um, but... Uh, so I thought talking about prayer, um, presenting kind of a challenge to the church that we can um, take with us over the next year uh, would be a good way to, to kick it off. Um, uh, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I struggle to, to, to pray often, and I struggle to pray well. Um, we, we make a point to, uh, to pray around the dinner table or to, uh, to pray before we eat with friends or family. We make a point to uh, pray with others when they come to us with our struggles or burdens, or at least we say we'll pray for them uh, when they do that. Um, but how often do we actually forget to do that sometimes? So my hope is that we can look at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, and see how Jesus responds to his disciples' request to teach them how to pray, uh, to be encouraged at what Jesus teaches us about certain aspects of prayer, and, uh, and to take what we learn and... Um, apply it to uh, our regular prayer lives, but also apply it to the challenge um, that I'm going to lay out uh, before you this morning. So let's, uh, let's look at the passage, um, and then we can uh, dive in and, and see what Jesus is, is teaching us uh, through these verses here. Uh, so we're in uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. Uh, that'll be on page uh, 1033, 1033 in the pew Bible. So read along. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, 
For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So let us pray together this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to uh, come together, to worship together, to consider uh, the new year, to consider new things. And um, Lord, uh, every morning we, we get to uh, be reminded that, uh, that your mercies are new every day. And um, so Lord, as we, as we think about uh, restoration, as we think about things being made new, as we think about uh, doing things uh, better, so to speak, over the next year or so. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would just lay it on our hearts uh, to uh, consider, uh, consider the, the, the things of, of your Son, uh, to consider the, the things of the Lord, to um, be focused on uh, doing your will, uh, to be focused on uh, living holy uh, lives, to be focused on spending time with you, communion through, through prayer and, um, and to be united as a church in, in doing so. And um, so, Lord, uh, this morning, may we uh, consider those things, and uh, may the words that we look at from, from you, from your son uh, today, uh, just uh, be encouraging to us and, and just help us to draw nearer and closer to you and help us to know you more and to love you more. And so bless our time together this morning, Lord. I pray that we would leave here uh, changed people. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. So in this passage, um, it, it starts off, we see that Jesus goes to pray, um, as he often does. And uh, it, it, it's, we're not really uh, want to find passages in the Gospels where Jesus is, is going off to pray. He, he, he does this quite often. Um, and after he's done uh, this time, one of his disciples asks him to teach them how to pray. Now keep in mind, as we're going through this, this disciple didn't ask Jesus to teach them a prayer. Uh, he didn't, uh, and Jesus didn't say, when you pray, pray these exact words every time. Um, but he asked them, uh, his disciple asked uh, Jesus to teach them how to pray instead of just a prayer itself. So the idea of a, of a uh, of, of praying and, and kind of coming in communion with, um, with a close personal God was a, was a little bit foreign um, to the Jewish people at this time, and, and we'll look at that in a little bit. Um, the great thing was that uh, God the Son himself was standing right there with the disciples in, in physical form to teach them about how to commune with God on a personal level. And so when they see J Jesus pray, as again they often did, uh, there's no doubt that they were um, eager to experience close personal communication with God in the same way that Jesus did. So whether it's through a sermon, like in Matthew chapter 6, or in a response to a request, Jesus is happy to oblige and reveal more about himself to his people. And so we're going to look at a few aspects of, of prayer that Jesus lays out when he gives uh, this, this example after his disciples ask him. Again, this isn't uh, Jesus saying, pray these exact things, pray these exact words, but he's kind of laying out a framework. He's laying out a, a, a skeletal structure uh, that we can use to help in our personal prayer lives. And again, once we go through these aspects and we lay out the challenge, um, uh, we're going to see how we can apply those to, um, to the challenge 
and into our personal prayer lives. All right? So, uh, so our first point, the first aspect that Jesus goes through here is that our prayer lives must be consistent. Our prayer lives must be consistent. Look at verses 1 through the first part of verse 2. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say. We could also uh, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Or, or Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about any, anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So in the, again, the Gospels record many times that Jesus went off to pray. Uh, most often he was praying by himself, uh, but, but he, he, he did it a lot. Prayer was a consistent part of Jesus' time here on earth. Um, but Jesus never commanded a specific number of times per day or a specific number of times per week or even a specific amount of time to pray. He never commanded that the disciples follow some formula like that. But he did it often and he did it purposefully. Luke uh, chapter 6 verse 12 says that uh, he went to the mountain to pray and he prayed all night. Um, and there's, there's, there's several times that, that we read about Jesus praying all through the night. So he did it a lot, and he did it often, and he, he had a purpose to it. And so it's something that we strive for. He says, when you pray, at the beginning of verse 2, and that can also be uh, translated as literally, whenever you pray. And so there's an idea of consistency behind it. It's not pray at this time and pray at that time, and when you do that, then pray these things. It's whenever you go to pray. There's consistency. There's the idea of, of doing it. There's no set number of times uh, a day. There's no proper amount of time, but consistency is the key. So how often are you spending time with the Lord? Again, I, I struggle to do it often uh, right now. And so this is, uh, essentially, this is, this is me kind of preaching to myself and, and presenting myself with, uh, with this framework and these challenges as well. Or should I say the Lord presenting me with these things? But along with the idea that we need to hold to a consistent prayer life, we come to point number two. And that's that our prayers are personal. Look at the second part of verse two. Jesus calls him Father. It says, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. This is a very personal way of addressing the Lord. Psalm 119, verses 149 through 151 they say, hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. The Lord is near to us. It's a personal thing for us. Psalm 145, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, and to all who call on him in truth. So again, this is a somewhat new idea, the idea of, uh, of a close personal God to the Jewish people at this time, but it, it shouldn't really be uh, a, a new idea. Uh, but up until this point, uh, prayer was, was 
somewhat impersonal. And coming before the Lord, coming into the Lord's presence, was actually something that was somewhat terrifying to the, to the Jewish people. Um, because uh, uh, up until this point, rabbis had taught the, the Jewish people that, that God was far off. They, they kind of took and they, they twisted the law, whether, whether it was intentional or, or unintentional, uh, to teach that you couldn't enter into the presence of God except if you were a priest and on the Day of Atonement, and even then with a huge amount of preparation to go before the Lord, um, or else uh, you could possibly die or, or something else terrible could, could happen to you. And so this is uh, uh, coming to the Lord's presence and coming to the Lord uh, closely in a personal relationship with the Lord is, is a somewhat foreign idea uh, to the Jewish people at this time. God is addressed as Father 15 times in the Old Testament, but never in a prayer. Uh, in the Gospels, uh, in the Gospels alone, God is referred to Father, referred to as Father 165 times, a hundred of which are in the Gospel of John. And so, through this, we we begin to understand uh, that there's a bit of a parental relationship that He has with us, and, and a filial relationship that that we should have with him as well. And so it's a personal idea. So the Lord may have seemed a little far off uh, to the people, but the truth is that God has always been near, just as we read in those couple of passages from Psalms. God has always been near to his people. He always hears the cries of his people. God is always ready to save. He is always ready to forgive. He has always been near to his people, and even more so now that Christ has come, stood amongst us and was tempted as we are, yet without sin, and died on the cross for us. He's now our mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5, and through faith in him we can draw near to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16. And this is personal communion with God, not public displays or prayer meetings, one-on-one time with the Lord. That's why in Matthew 6, before Jesus teaches this same prayer in a different context, He warns about being like the hypocrites and making a big public display out of your prayers. He even says, go into your room, shut your door, and pray in secret. And so it's personal. This is a personal thing. But the word Father, it also recognizes part of God's character, which brings us to our next point. Our prayers must be full of reverence. Our prayers must be full of reverence. Kind of the, the third part of uh, verse 2, it says, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Psalm chapter 30, verses 1 through 4 says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 99, verse 3 says, Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. And this is how we understand the word hallowed. Holy is how we understand that word. Hallowed is kind of an archaic term. We don't really use the word hallowed anymore. But when we use the word holy, that's how we can help understand that. All Hallow's Eve, where we get the word um, Halloween from, 
is the Eve of All Saints Day, um, All Hallows, All Hallows Eve, All Saints. Um, and so the, the, the Hallows were, were saints, they were the holy people of God. And so when we see the word Hallowed, it means that we are describing to the Lord the holiness due to his name and recognizing his holy character. And so we are given an aspect that, honestly, we, we probably forget sometimes when we pray. I think sometimes our prayers are so focused on what we or what others need that we forget that we are in communion with God. Communion is a free exchange of thoughts or feelings with one another. When we partake in communion, in personal communion, when we partake in communion together in the church, uh, as we're about to do here in a little bit, in a few minutes, we are engaging together in unity in remembrance of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. And so it is with prayer. We are in communion with God himself. This is personal. Remember, we just talked about that. So it's not just about what we want or what we need. That's definitely a part of it, and we'll get to that in a minute. But we must also revere God in our prayers as well. We must acknowledge who he is and what he has done for us. Uh, I personally try to make it a point uh, whenever I pray to uh, begin my prayers uh, recognizing um, some aspects, some character um, of God, uh, and, and I, I kind of got that from, um, from this passage, whether it's God's sovereignty, his love, his grace, his mercy, his justice, his righteousness, whatever it may be. Um, again, I, I myself try to start off my prayers recognizing that, thanking and praising the Lord for that, and using that as a, uh, a point to transition into my, my prayers. Um, I don't do it perfectly every time. Uh, I don't even do it every time, but I try to do it nonetheless. And so our, our prayers must be reverent. They must acknowledge who God is and lift him high above ourselves. When we do that, it becomes easier to transition to the next point of this framework. That's point number four. Our prayers conform us to his will. The last part of verse two says, Your kingdom come. So the very first part of, of the prayer in verse 2, Father, personal idea, hallowed be your name. We are recognizing a character. We are recognizing the, the holy character of the Lord. Your kingdom come. So when we, uh, when we do that, when we lift the, the Lord up above ourselves, when we acknowledge uh, um, and, and praise and thank him for um, some aspect, we can... Um, get a little bit closer to um, conforming our wills to the will of the Lord. Daniel chapter 4, verses 34 through 30, 35 says, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? If you're not familiar with this story, this is in Daniel 4 when Nebuchadnezzar is walking around, um, around Babylon on the, the, the walls of the city, 
And he's praising himself for this awesome, beautiful kingdom and this beautiful empire that he created. And, uh, and he's basically saying that this all came about because of me. And if you, if you know a little bit of history and you know about Babylon, this is a huge, uh, amazing, beautiful, and, and just awesome city that this is. And so he's even in awe of it himself. And so Nebuchadnezzar is, is saying, this is all because of me that, that this has happened. And um, the Lord decides to, uh, to humble Nebuchadnezzar a little bit and um, makes him into uh, kind of a, a, it says he was like a beast. And he went out in the field and he ate of the grass and his nails grew real long like claws and hair grew on his back. And he was crazy. And, and so this verse comes at the end of that. Finally, the Lord brings Nebuchadnezzar to a point where Nebuchadnezzar realizes that the Lord is the one from which we uh, receive all of, all of this greatness, all of these wonderful things. And these verses are Nebuchadnezzar realizing that and, and praising the Lord for that. And he even says, my reason returned to me. And so Nebuchadnezzar himself is, is even being submitted to, to the will of the Lord in um, in this instance, which is awesome, because again, if you read in Daniel or throughout the Old Testament, Nebuchadnezzar was not a, a tremendous kind of guy. And uh, so the fact that the Lord was able to um, change him and do this in his life is a pretty, pretty amazing thing. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may, be, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, and perfect. And so recognizing that our our prayers help us to conform to the Lord's will, now that we can recognize that our prayers are not just about us, we can keep in mind that God has a plan for everything for the good of those who love him. Romans 8.28, right? So as we engage in this personal communion with God, we're not only spending all this time yammering to God about what we want and need, um, because here's the secret, he already knows what we want and need, but we are also taking the time to listen. After we finish this passage, I'm going to present you with um, the prayer challenge for uh, 2022. That's a challenge that uh, my wife Melody and I um, have both gone through previously. Um, You may have done something similar before, uh, but it's basically a challenge to designate a one-hour block every week to praying. And usually when that idea is presented to people, uh, their initial thoughts are something, well, like, well, what am I going to say for an hour? Um, and, and I know that those are people's initial thoughts because those were my initial thoughts when, uh, when that challenge was first presented to me. But the good thing is that there are a couple of sections of this challenge where we actually wait and listen for the Lord, and even just quietly meditate on his word. But my hope is that we wouldn't just do that uh, for the hour-long prayer challenge uh, that we do every week, but that whenever we pray, as Jesus has said here, that we would find time to sit and listen and reflect on the things of the Lord so that we can discern what he wants for us. And remember, like we just talked about in Romans 8.28, what he wants for those who love him is good. So he already knows what he wants or what we need, what, what we want or what we need. But that doesn't mean that we don't bring those things before him anyway, right? 
which brings us to point number five. Our prayers help us to rely on his provision. Look at verse three. Give us each day our daily bread. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 26. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet our heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then in verse 33, uh, uh, verse 33 concludes Jesus' point with, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. John chapter 6, verses 32 through 33. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So God already knows what we need. In fact, again, before Jesus goes into the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, uh, he says that God knows what we need before we even ask. But this doesn't mean that we don't ask for those things, because a little bit later in Matthew 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. In Colossians 1.9, Paul says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God knows that Paul wanted that for those people. Even God wants that for his people. But when we ask, when we go to him with our needs, when we pour out our, when we pour out our hearts and let him know our desires and needs, we engage deeper and deeper in personal communion with him. This is a personal thing. This is communion between us and the Lord. And this brings us to our last point. Our prayers help us to be repentant. Verse 4 says, And forgive us our sins, as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Matthew 26, verse 41, and Mark 14, 38, say, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. As sinners, we need our sins forgiven daily, do we not? We all do. There hasn't been a day that's gone by that we haven't needed to recognize our sin, repent, and ask for forgiveness. I can tell you there hasn't been a day in my life where I haven't had to do that. In the same way that God already knows what we need before we ask of it, God already knows our sin, too. He knows what we're going to do and when we're going to do it. But he is a God ready to forgive when we come to him. As it says in Nehemiah 9.17, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. 
We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23. But he is ready to forgive, and he will when we come to him. That's the centerpiece of the gospel. When we are repentant, we ask for forgiveness, we turn and run from our sin, we don't ask to be forgiven, only to go back to it. We ask for God to keep us from sin. And he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle, 1 Corinthians 10.13. But he can give us strength to endure temptation and conquer sin. And so this is the framework that we have here in these verses. And looking at this framework that Jesus has laid out before us, we can take these uh, we can take this and, uh, and apply these things uh, to our one-hour prayer challenge. Um, so again, Melody and I went through this challenge that our pastor in Arizona laid out before us. Uh, we both found it extremely helpful. Um, and so I think it'll be a, a wonderful way um, for our church to, to kick off the, u- the new year. Um, so uh, did we have the, the bookmarks? that, that were, were they in all the bulletins? Okay, cool. Um, So in your bulletin, you should have a bookmark in there that kind of lays out um, all the aspects of the prayer. And I I didn't grab one, but I have it on my phone here, so I'm going to get it up here on my phone. And um, so as as far as this prayer challenge is is concerned, um, as far as the the follow-up to the challenge and the way you decide to make your commitment and that kind of stuff, you don't have to worry uh, we're not going to have Wendy call you up every week and make sure you're doing your hour-long uh, prayer challenge. Um, uh, we're not going to have Pastor Brad knocking on your door, checking in on you and making sure uh, you're blocking off that time every week. Um, but if you do want to uh, take this challenge to your life group, uh, maybe as, as a, a way to um, have some accountability for this, uh, life group would, would be a great way to do that um, for the life group that I'm leading. I'm definitely going to lay this out as a challenge to everyone. And, and, um, and again, it's not going to be something that we're being terribly strict on, but um, it's going to be something that we're going to encourage everybody in. Um, so, uh, so please feel free to, um, to take this and, and kind of uh, to make it how, how you want it. Um, and and, and if, you, if you end up realizing that uh, an hour is, is maybe a little hard, um, feel free to take all of these, these aspects. There's ten parts to this prayer challenge. Um, feel free to, to take all of these and start with two minutes for each one. Um, and that, that's 20 minutes of, of prayer, which is honestly a lot more time than, than I usually spend daily in, in uh, just quiet personal prayer uh, by myself. If you find that two minutes is, is not enough time, then, then try three minutes, try four minutes, try five minutes. Try each one at six minutes if you want to. But um, but uh, there, there is uh, kind of a, a structure uh, laid out in the, the challenge itself. So, um, so, so take it and do what you want with it. I, I want it to be an encouraging thing. I want it to be something that you can start the year off challenging yourself with. Um, but again, we're not going to uh, <clears throat> we're not gonna make it some, uh, some big terrible thing that you have to do to be a member of the church or anything like that. But let's look at the, the hour-long prayer challenge. So, so it starts with praise. Uh, the very first thing is praise. Focus on God's attributes for five minutes. So, um, again, we are, we're kind of leading off um, the, uh, the prayer challenge with recognizing the attributes of God, acknowledging the attributes of God, different parts of God's character. 
and um, start off reflecting on those things, thinking about those things, praising and thanking God for, for each of those things. There are some scriptures uh, that you can look at to, uh, to kind of help you along with some of these um, aspects too. Okay, so praise. Focus on God's attributes. Five minutes, that's the way to start. Waiting on the Lord for two minutes. This is two minutes of quiet time. Two minutes of time to be quiet. And if you need to take out your phone and set a little timer or something like that, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with creating a little structure. Um, and, and you'll actually find that when you do it quite a bit, you get kind of used to, um, to the time frames and that kind of stuff and, and, and what it is. So just two minutes of silence waiting on the Lord. Number three, confession of sin. This one's hard because we're all shamed by our sin, right? <laughs> but we're not, uh, we're not necessarily confessing our sins to, to each other, uh, even though we should in, in some instances. Uh, but this time we're, we're just going to the Lord with these things. So that's five minutes, okay? So we have our praise time starting off, focusing on the attributes of God for five minutes. We're waiting on the Lord for two minutes in silence, not, not talking, not, not yapping or anything like that, but just two minutes of silence real quick and then confession of sin. I can tell you what, sometimes the five minutes is not enough time for the confession of sin sometimes. Okay? Then after the confession, Scripture. Praying through Scripture. Find a section of Scripture and pray through it. A good example could be a psalm. Take a psalm, read through the whole thing, pray through each verse as if you are the one in the psalm expressing what is in there. It's a great way to do it. Or find another Scripture passage. Um, find... Uh, go to uh, John 17, the, the Lord's Prayer um, in Gethsemane before his arrest. Go through and, and, um, and apply that prayer uh, to your own prayer life. Eight minutes for that. Again, if, you, if you're spending time going verse by verse through a passage, through a whole chapter, a whole psalm or something like that, eight minutes is going to fill up really quick. Uh, number five, intercession. This is known prayer requests. This is praying for others now. Praying for the needs of people in your family, people in your church, uh, your, your kids, your parents, your, your siblings, uh, your best friend, whatever it might, it might be. Ask God to bring to mind things that need to be prayed for. If you're having a hard time, um, if you don't know of, or if you only have like one or two prayer requests that you know of, pray and ask the Lord that he would bring things to your mind, things that you know about, things that you heard somebody mention in passing. Um, it's, it's, again, it's just more time that, that, you'll be in prayer for the, that you'll be in prayer with the Lord. This is 15 minutes of intercession. 15 minutes, about a quarter of our time is going to be devoted to praying for others. Number six is petition. Praying for yourself. So pray for the things that, uh, that you know you need, uh, whether it's uh, stuff in your home life, stuff in your work life, things that you want to, to work on, things that uh, you, you want to be better at. Pray for uh, the prayer challenge itself. Pray that you can uh, do a great job at, at sticking to this structure, or the structure that you've, that you've taken and, and laid out there. Okay, So praying for yourself. Number seven is thanksgiving. Things that God has done specifically for us. Praising and thanking God for the wonderful blessings in our lives. We all have them. Um, I can tell you what, being a part of this church family has been a huge blessing in, in, my, in my family's life, and, and that's a big one that I'm always thankful to the Lord for. So think about the wonderful blessings that you have in your life that the Lord has given you. Those are all gifts from the Lord. 
Those are all things to thank him for. Five minutes for Thanksgiving. All right, number eight, singing. Do it. Seriously. Think of a hymn. Grab a hymnal. Grab a hymnal from the church and, and take it home. You have my permission. Sing through, sing through a hymn. You know what? Um, my go-to song for a long time uh, was 10,000 Reasons. And it was my go-to song for um, the, the prayer challenge for a long time. It was my go-to song when my son was an infant and he couldn't sleep. I would pick him up and sing that to him, and, and uh, he would fall asleep to it every time. Um, pick a song. Pick a favorite song. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's the same song every time you do the hour-long prayer challenge. But five minutes for singing. Do it. Find the, the, the closet that's in the basement that's far away from everybody and put all the foam along the wall and that kind of stuff so nobody can hear you. And you don't have to sing out loud. You don't have to belt or anything like that. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's better to sing out loud, but you don't have to you know, scream it for the whole neighborhood to hear or anything like that. Um, but sing out loud. Do it. It's, you'll, you'll find that it's, it's going to do wonderful things for you. Number nine is meditation. Filling your mind with the Word of God. This is very similar to praying through the Scripture, but it's taking time to read through the passages and reflect on them. Rather than taking them and, and praying through them as if they're your own prayer or something like that, read through the passage, uh, find a psalm again if you need to or something like that, and reflect on what's happening in there. Um, and uh, again, there are some, some passages that go along all, with all of these that can encourage you in these things. And then we end with praise. God's attributes and God's deeds for five minutes. Okay? So again, this is a general idea. This is a general framework. Now that we have this framework that Jesus laid out before us in Luke 11, we can take that and we can apply it to this prayer challenge too. Some of these different sections that, have that, that, that really deal with what we went through in Luke 11, 1 through 4 are really good. And if you find that um, maybe 15 minutes is, is too long for intercession. Well, I, I mean, the good thing is this is broken up into 10 sections, right? And we're going for an hour. And so if you do six minutes for each of these sections, that's an hour right there. And so there's, there's different ways that you can try to, to fill out these time. I, I can tell you that uh, whenever I would, would do this, um, it wouldn't be the, the same amount of time uh, every single time I did it. Sometimes I tried the six minutes for every single one. I tried following uh, the, the time frames laid out here and that kind of stuff, and it was different every time. But, um, and sometimes, you know what? You might not make it through every single one of these. You might get to the end, and you find that as you're singing your hymn or you're singing your, your contemporary chorus or something like that, your timer goes off and your, your hour is up, and that's okay. That's okay. You, then next time you can start... Uh, with praise and then move into meditation and get your meditation in that you missed last time or something like that. However you need to do it, however it works out best for you, uh, try that out. So, so I hope that uh, this prayer challenge can be encouraging to you all. I hope that we can take what we um, found Jesus teaching us here in, in Luke chapter 11, apply, apply it to this prayer challenge, apply it to our own prayer lives. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to because I really need to. And, um, and so I hope uh, you all can as well. Um, so with that, let's go ahead and pray um, to close out the, the sermon time, and then we'll get into communion after the prayer. So bow with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for your son. We thank you for uh, the wonderful things that uh, 
he's done for us that we get to look back on and, and acknowledge that, um, that you loved us so much that you sent your son to uh, come live a perfect life on this earth and to die for us and to die for our sins. And uh, Lord, nothing that we could say or, or that we could do um, would honestly be uh, enough to uh, praise and thank you for that. But Lord, we come before you to do so anyway. We come before you to, uh, to praise you, to thank you for uh, how you love us, to, to praise and thank you for your goodness and your uh, mercy and your grace and your sovereignty, that, um, that the things that um, are happening in this world and in our lives are, are happening for a reason, and we might not understand it, and um, it might hurt a little bit right now. Uh, but Lord, again, as we saw in in Romans 8, um, all things you are working uh, for the good of those who love you, and, and so we thank you for that. And So, Lord, as we consider um, these aspects of prayer, Lord, I pray that you would use these aspects to um, encourage us in our own prayer lives. Lord, I pray that you would use uh, the prayer challenge that we uh, presented today um, to encourage everyone in their prayer lives. And, uh, Lord, that we wouldn't be discouraged if we don't do it right every time or, or anything like that, but Lord, that we would be thankful that uh, we were able to take uh, the time that we had uh, to spend with you um, in personal communion with you. And, um, and Lord, may we, may we listen to you. May we take this time to, um, our, in, in our prayer lives and in the prayer challenge, Lord, may we take these times to, to really sit back and listen and, and meditate on your word and, and um, just hear what what you have for us, Lord. Would you conform our hearts and conform our minds to, to your will? And uh, Lord, just help us to grow. Help us to grow as, um, as Christians. Help us to become more Christ-like. And Lord, help us to know you better and love you better. And so we thank you for this time together. It's in your name that I pray.